The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Big News Coming Soon podcast and this week we are coming to you live from Glenties in County Donegal and I'm with the main man himself, the king of Glenties, <laughs> Mr. Michal Brennan, but you might know him as Donegal Daddy. Michal, thanks for having us. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to be in, in Glenties, County Donegal. I've never, we drove through it on the Bumblebee, did we? Yeah, yeah, at the end of the Bumblebee. Yeah, we did. We came through it at the end. But today I've had time to wander around and I've checked out Afghani Kebab and I've checked out Apache Pizza and the Highland Hotel. The number one. Some head. spot, isn't it? It's lovely. It's really a, nice. It's an absolutely stunning hotel. So we went in there. I had the steak sandwich. What did you have? I had the chicken burger. Chicken so, burger. Uh, Paid mm. for with our own money, by the way. This isn't absolutely. a sponsored post. But Pat, you can give us something for free if you want. Pat. <laughs> Is Pat the owner? He's the uh, man, yeah. He wasn't around there this evening? No, he wasn't about this evening. See how he avoided us this evening when it came to pay? Mm. Come on, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're only joking. We're, he wasn't around. But the food was top class. And, it was uh, lovely. Do you know what I really liked about it? The second you went in the door, the heat hit you. Mm. And Especially tonight. That's a lovely thing and it's a lovely feeling, a lovely warm welcome. In every sense of the word. So, Michal Brennan. A lot of people don't know your name, I'd say, do they? No, a lot of people don't. They, they go, what is your name? Or like, I, put, I added it to the profile because so many people were like, I don't know what your name is. It's funny because at the end of my show in the Clannery Hotel, I said, I was thanking people and I said, there's a man I have to thank who can't be here tonight, but he's helped me an awful lot sell the show and promote the show and he's been a great friend. Any idea who it is? And a load of, a load of people in the audience shouted, Michal. 
I was like, who the hell is Mihal? <laughs> I said, no, it's Stunning Old Daddy. And they all started laughing. But how did it all start? First of all, what age are you? I am 39. Wow, another man. Near 40. That, that uh, is, is keeping well. <laughs> I don't know about that. You don't look a day over 38. <laughs> and how did the page start? How did the Donegal Daddy page start? I suppose, like a lot of things, it started in lockdown. I had I worked in hotel and playing music, so both of them were wiped out overnight on my birthday, actually, 12th of March. And then it was a case of I was at home, my wife, Aoife, as a pharmacist, so she didn't get the option to be at home. She was working all through lockdown. And then I was always tipping away at the social media stuff for the band and just bits and pieces myself. And then I just started doing, I'd done a couple of movie clips and then people just started requesting movie clips and then I just started doing them and I kind of... What do you mean movie clips? Like I done, like the first one, I was trying to get Gracie to start call, they're crawling and so I... I was trying using balls to get her to crawl and just happened to be a red and a blue ball. And then I just thought, oh, this looks like the red and blue pill scene from The Matrix. So then I done that scene with her, with the voiceover. And then the next day I done Dirty Dancing, Nobody Puts Baby in a Corner. Oh, brilliant. And then I kind of, people started saying, oh, do whatever and done the Blues Brothers. And, and I done a, I don't think I done a movie scene every day for like seven or eight weeks. Wow. And I was... At the time, Gracie was only nine nine months, so like she obviously was just there, being doing her facial expressions and not much else. Like, and I was kind of just getting clips I needed, and and now uh, Gracie has become a huge part of the page. Yeah, well, she is. She's kind of like it's like most people will tell you straight out that I don't follow you for you. I follow you for Gracie or Kate. Now seems to be the. The fan favourite at the minute. <laughs> People say that to me about the dog. <laughs> that's it, I don't that's follow. It. I only follow you for Cookie. But it, um, yeah, it just grew from that. Like, and it was kind of weird. I, th- I think part of it was like, as twenty twenty was a shit show of a year. Can you say that on here? Yeah, you can say uh, whatever you want. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, twenty twenty was a bit funny year for me because for us as a family, because our dad died in January twenty twenty before any of this lockdown stuff was happening, and. It kind of threw us because you were just coming. I was just coming back to work, and then next thing we started hearing about this COVID, and then next thing we were closed and everything was gone. So it was weird. And then next thing, all this started happening. And kind of by the end of 2020, I didn't have a big following, but I had a, a, a bit of people, you had a, a lot of people following you, messaging you, like, and it was weird because you had that kind of terrible start to this kind of like, oh, this is very cool. And the realization that. I don't need to be going out to work 24-7. And you were probably looking forward to coming back to work to get a bit of normality and a bit of routine again. Yeah, that's it. Like, you're kind of getting... I was literally just back in, I think, maybe a week, two weeks. Uh, two weeks, probably, at the time. Yeah. And then it was kind of all up up in a heap again. But, um, so it was it's, it was strange. Like, it was a weird, weird time. Like, in more ways than one. Like. How many followers do you have now? Uh, I don't know, 40... 43,000 nearly. I'm not counting, but 43,427. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, the So since the page started, Gracie was nine months old. And since then, two more babies have come along. Yeah. So it's been... You've been busy during the old lockdowns. <laughs> None of them actually ended up coming in lockdown. It was kind of like uh, Kate was just at the end of the... And then the Molly, the new one, she's six weeks now. And that kind of happened very... 
we kind of always thought, oh, we might have a third, and then yeah, yeah, we found out really quick that it happened was happening because it was kind of mad, but unreal. And when you were working in the hotel, what were you doing? I was a wedding coordinator in Harvey's Point. Were you dealing with bridezillas? Not so much. Like you hear always about bridezillas, but very rarely you would have anybody that you know. Nine times out of ten, I always used to say that there's no point in like most of the time they're asking you for something that's fairly easy to do. Right. Do you know it's nothing for us? It might seem like a big thing for if you're not working in the or if you can't make that contact with somebody, but most of the time they're asking for something that's fairly manageable. Did you enjoy it? I I loved it. I loved working there. That was the hardest part of leaving that job was like the job previous that I left. I was like, get me out the door. And then this one, I was like, I was like coming down the road after meeting the the general manager. I was like, kind of had told him basically I was leaving. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I like, I, I love the job. I love the people there. Like, and, I still chat to most of them, like, some of them I chat to most every day, pretty much, like. So why did you leave it? It just didn't make sense financially, basically, because you were working nine to, nine to six it was supposed to be, but it was always nine to seven, nine to seven thirty, just to get things finished up, or to get weddings to that point of the day that you can go home without, do you know that the brides and groom are happy? Um, So it just kind of meant... You were rushing from that job to playing in the band to getting up the next morning, going back into the hotel. So like weekends, you might get one weekend a month off if you're lucky or one Sunday a month off in the hotel. So you were kind of always running from... You'd only be off if there was no wedding. Yeah, well, like one of us would be... We were kind of wear balancing it out like that one of us would be on and one of us would be off. But you were always nearly... You were nearly always in three Sundays in the in the week because Sunday was a massive day for show rounds and that as well. Like so, okay, for couples coming in to meet. So you ended up, and the money was just okay. So you was, weren't in the band at this stage. I was, yeah, in the band. I was. Oh, so you'd finish up work and then you'd head off and go in the band all yeah, night. Yeah, and then you'd get up, get home at four o'clock in the morning, and get up again at eight, and go to the hotel. Oh and, no, and that was kind of. And then it kind of became a thing of when we had Gracie got to the stage, that kind of age then, where like mum, I'm not going to say her age or anything, but mum's that, you know, she, I you couldn't leave a toddler with mum for even that five to seven till you got home or five to eight until you got home, like that them hours, you know, you just need, so it just meant I'll stay at home, look after the kids and then it just made way more sense and then I'll have time to do other things as well like it's kind of it opened doors and you see for other things to happen because there's a lot of things you had to say no to because you were working in the hotel hmm. like I, I was doing a bit of drone work with wedding videographer like and stuff like that that it's good crack the money it, you know it's no wild money but it's good fun good to get out and do it and you're not working 60 70 hours a week and then how long were you a wedding coordinator for nearly four years Wow, a long time. Um, and before that, what was the job you hated before that? Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I it was this. Uh, it was working with business startups. It was kind of like a semi-government job, um, where some of the funding came from, and then the rest was I don't know what it was way it was funded. But yeah, you were kind of working with people <laughs> coming off the 
people it was it's called the back to work scheme i don't know what it's called and okay we don't know where the money came from but but there <laughs> was, was only rest in my account <laughs> <laughs> there was money there and then when the money stopped being there i left <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was like you're working with i actually ended up back last friday doing kind of mc and then bits of interviewing some of the businesses uh last friday which was great fun and so you're working with businesses that were people that were on social welfare coming off they could start a business and they got a kind of a two-year run at they could keep their social welfare fully for the first year and then half for the second year or 75 percent for the second year brilliant yeah and it kind of just gives you that caution to start up it's a great a great great um initiative initiative like it's brilliant and like most of the people you met were brilliant and there was some startups that were like there's some startups that were like really worried about starting and then once they got going and they had that wee bit of a cushion it was great like and isn't it interesting I love to hear stories going full circle how you were in that job and you weren't really enjoying it and then years later you're an MC at an event for the same kind of company and like it was like listen it was just I just think I needed to get out of it because like I remember like I always remember back to one of the ladies in the office um, Maura and she there was only the two of us in the office and we were just chatting. You know, you just be sitting, chatting and I was just like, do you ever, do you know when you're coming into work, I was just coming into work and you know, you just think, I wonder if I drove into the ditch when I still have to go to work and she just <laughs> looked at me and she's like, Jesus Christ, boy, oh, you need to get out of here. <laughs> That's what she said and I thought, do you, does everybody not do that? Like, I just thought that was the thing. I just thought, oh yeah, sure, everybody does that. Going to work, think if I crash, will I still have to go to work and it wasn't until she was like, no, no you don't do that and it was one of those things i was just like yeah maybe i do need to look but that's it. not really normal though is it like were you were you suffering from a bit of depression uh oh, i like at the t- I kind of when it all came to a head then when i i had a bike accident and that's when it all kind of snowballed everything snowballed that way you uh, had a bike accident whilst you were working here whilst i was working there yeah it was like um a, a bicycle accident yeah yeah right so tell us about that so <laughs> I was big into fitness at the time and cycling and I was out six, seven days a week training, doing something. And then I'd done this cycle around Donegal, the 555. It's like 555 kilometres around Donegal. And then I said, I'm going to go really try for that next year. So I started training away for the winter. And then I went to, we went to Tenerife on holidays and <clears throat> we went there a few times. Like, And I would always just get a bike and go cycling. And Aoife would sit and read by the pool or whatever, and I would be out for five or six hours on the bike. And one of the days I was doing a big one, and I think I'm maybe five minutes from the hotel, and this lovely Spanish lady just came in off the motorway and didn't see me and just drove straight across me. And I went bang into the side of her car and over her bonnet, took her wing mirror and landed out in front of her. Were Were you seriously hurt? No, not at the time, because I, I managed not to hit my head. I, every other, my two ankles, my two knees, my two hips, my two elbows, everything, both sides was all cut and grazed. But Did you have a helmet on? I had a helmet on, yeah, and I, I got up and I just, adrenaline obviously kicked in and I was just like, what the, yeah, like, and she was sitting in the car screaming, just going, ah! <laughs> and I... Because you're a big man, you're... And a fella came out... Uh, it was kind of she was kind of coming in off one of these these roads that sweep kind of sweep around off the motorway, and there's like a retail center or whatever. Yeah, 
and there's a big high curb and then next thing she was just kind of looking obviously where she was heading what shop she was going to so she just strove straight across me and I braked hard but I couldn't get back out around her I thought I would but the bike just went straight under her then and but uh so I just got up and pulled the bike and the wheel was a wee bit bent but it was still going round so I just got back on the bike and cycled off and I was like and kind of I was fine and I cycled into the shop then that I hired the bike off and I told them and he was like did you get the number and I was like no and I just says listen it's grand I'm fine and everything's fine but then fast forward I went out in the bike the next day again like all cuts and all but I was just to see that I was okay and I felt okay but I felt like what it felt like was that I broke my tailbone or something or my coccyx you know I thought that's what happened but then like three weeks after the week before Christmas it just went bang and my back gave up and I had this pain down my leg and my leg two legs were numb and you never went to hospital or anything no I just kind of ate done the like doctored up the grazes like it was just all cuts like and then I went to the doctor that day and then she thought it was going to be it might be something serious they sent me for an MRI and then I got the MRI and it was like two ruptured discs at the bottom of my back and they were just basically completely busted out and they were pushing against the sciatic nerve then so it was kind of like down into me like and I for that then led into from the 18th of December I think it was until maybe the end of May I couldn't couldn't drive couldn't sit I had to stand or lie down that was it Oh my God. It was, it was, it's one of those things. And then you look, you look fine to everybody else and you're walking about, but couldn't, I literally couldn't sit down. If I was going in the car, I'd have to get some, like dad or Joe would drive me and I would be, have the, the seat back and pushing my two feet in the footwell to keep myself up for like, oh, it was, it was literally the worst. So anyone that has back pain, yeah, you, you just, you don't know. And how did you sort that out? Lots of, I ended up. I was on all kinds of painkillers and tablets, and then I had I was just waiting, a bloody waiting game. I had to try and get what I call it epidurals, so I got four of them in me back and into the disc. And the first the first one lasted maybe two weeks, and then the second one kind of lasted three weeks, and then the next one kind of lasted the full month, and then the last one then it was kind of fine. I was kind of back to fairly normal, like brilliant. But they were like. 400, 500 at a time. Yeah, so during that time then you started to feel a bit down in yourself. Mm. So like... Because you're not doing your exercise, you're not out. No, it's it's kind of nearly like what happened with COVID, I suppose. It was like, like anybody that knew me was like, oh, he's out in his bike or he's running or he's doing something. And he's like fit, kind of fit and healthy. And then that was just gone as well. And I had it, like the bike sitting there then looking at you in the bloody hallway like and you're kind of... I ended up selling the bike because it was just pissing me off. And then we had Aoife had booked this trip of a lifetime for the March. And it was like we went to Dubai. I flew through Dubai out to Vietnam and then went kind of done down through Vietnam, went to Cambodia. We were supposed to go to the Gilly Islands, but I just couldn't. And back then to Dubai again. But um, before that trip, like I was trying to get sorted with this injection to get thinking that was going to be the magic. And a friend of mine, he works in Dublin. He was like, oh, I'll get you into this neuro, neuro whatever you call, surgeon and he'll do the injection for you in the beacon. And dad drove me up to Dublin and I was in bits like all the way to Dublin. And your man says, listen, I can do it, but it's not going to be, it's not going to just make it go away. First thing I can do it in Monday. This is a Friday. 
and then it's expensive. And I was like, I don't care. I was like, I don't care what's, a, and I think it was 1800 euro. I was like, right, maybe I do care a wee bit. What and were you expecting, 500? I was thinking 500, like 600, and then, but it turned out, like he said, like the injection's only 400, I think it was, he said, and then, but we have to book a bed space in the beacon and we have to do all this and it was all well you're not like could you, could I not meet you in the travel lodge <laughs> so could you, I'd do it in the car park <laughs> in the back of the van but uh, he then just looked at all the medication I was on he's like oh look you can this, if I up you can up all this medication he put me on the max then of each one and that f- fucked me up big time like the, in, your, in your head yeah it was like I was on this one pre-gabbling like and it's like as the friend that put me in touch with him and he said to me get off that as soon as you can when I came back because I told him I was in bad form but he was like it's like a zombie drug I could fucking just put you into the but I was like oh and that's when I was at my very very lowest out away like which when you're away which is which is funny like because you were kind of I came home and my cousin says to me oh such a fella was chatting to me and he says oh there's not much wrong with that fella's back out there and and I was like I literally was planning how I could kill myself out in Cambodia and some boys back at home saying, look at that fucker, he's having the time of his life. And you're going like... You weren't genuinely thinking that. I was, uh, yeah, I had it. I was like, when we got to Cambodia, I what happened in Vietnam, I got, I got started, uh, I got like food poisoning or whatever, not food poisoning, but you know, you get the, the bally belly or whatever they call yeah, it. Like yeah. that. And I, I started, vom- so none of the painkillers were staying. So I was like, I was just in the worst in the worst pay and then me and Aoife then start just I just stopped talking I just didn't speak and then we went to Cambodia and it's a fucking crazy place like all rickshaws and all that kind of crack like and we I was lying in the room just blinds down Aoife went out to the pool and all that and I was lying in the room just like a zombied out like I was like I could easily go out and make it look like an accident just go for a walk and get because like I'm sure people have accidents out here all the time that was the mentality and then I was like this country's mental I not mental, but it's like, I wouldn't it's do that. chaotic, yeah. Yeah, it's chaotic, and they don't have English, and I wouldn't do that. To, and then I was kind of like, I couldn't do that to Aoife, because we're on our own, the two of us just. And then I says, I'll do it in Dubai. That was my that was my thinking. I'll do it in Dubai when we get back there, because her sister was living in Dubai at the time. And where were those thoughts coming from? Was it just a thought that this was, you were going to live like this for the rest of your life? I think that was, I think that was it. It was like, this is the way, this is just the way life is now. I'm, me bags and I'm, I'm not we've had to do anything I'm gonna be you know and like so and when you think of it now you kind of go I I know you be, should be thinking Jesus like there's people a lot worse off than you but no but everything's relative that's it you don't think like that when you're in that space like it's Jesus it was it was just 24 7 paid and sleeping you would sleep on the floor like rather than sleep in a bed because it was easier to sleep on a hard floor like and things like that and you're just how uh, long had you been with Eva at this stage Oh, we were, we were married in 2016, that was 2018, like, so we were kind of together probably 12, 12, 13 years at that stage, like, but only for, we went to Dubai then, when we go back to Dubai, I was like, yeah, you could easily make it look like an accent here too, which is the first day in Dubai, just in the, in the room, bedroom, blinds closed, didn't speak, and then we, my mum and dad happened to be out visiting my cousin that was living out there, and we says, right, we have to pull myself together and go and meet them. And out there, we went and met them, and there was a pub quiz on, and we done that, and just left and came back, and I went back into the room, and just that was it. And then the next morning, Eva just says, "You need to get help, and we get home." And that was the flipped it. Like I was just like, 
right, yeah, I actually do need to get help. And it was kind of just that we hadn't spoke, literally, for maybe three days. And there was no conversation in the lead up to that? No, it was just kind of like, we're, she just was like giving me, I suppose giving me space or whatever, but or she just didn't know what to, because I would always have had like bouts of anxiety and that and bouts of kind of like low mood. And then this was just something completely different as well. Like, so then that's what happened when I came home then. Um, You're really lucky to have that support from Aoife. I don't think if I didn't have Aoife and I didn't say have mum and dad and that, it would have been way easier. Do you know what I mean? Not way easier, you know what I mean, no. But um, yeah, it's mad how lucky you can be, like. But uh, <laughs> when you t- I don't really talk about this much. But um, yeah, it's crazy. And then when I came home, I, I had to start going back to that job. And I was like, fuck. And I remember I came out of the job one lunchtime. Uh, this is just, I just can't do this anymore. And I went out and I was parked at the petrol station in Donegal Town, I remember it. And I rang the GP, who wasn't actually my GP, but I had been speaking to him because he was... He knows he was new back pain and all that and set out because he was with he was done a lot of sports stuff, and I just rang him. His and I says, "Can I come and see you?" And he says, "Yep, yeah, come on out now right away." And I drove it was like twenty minutes on my lunch break, and I went into his office and just broke down. And he just goes, "You're not the first one to do that today." He says, "So don't and completely just made me feel at ease." Like and then. He, I told him the whole story because I hadn't told really anybody at that stage. Even Aoife didn't know the whole ins and outs of it. And then he just put me, he got me sorted with medication and that. And then he made me, he told me to go home and tell everybody basically, mum and dad and Aoife. And that just opened, Jesus, that just made it all left, kind of start to left. Yeah, no, I can really relate to your story, Michal, because I've been there. I, I've had similar thoughts and I've had a sim- similar experience going into the GP and and breaking down and when I had to go to the GP it was it was to his house actually on a, on a Saturday so I can I can empathize with you and I can relate to what you were going through and you know you're you're putting on a brave face at work you're leaving the house in the morning putting on a brave face with Aoife and you're going into mm-hmm. work and putting on a brave face with them and then going into your GP and, and having that uh, sense of security and freedom to say exactly how you feel and I think that was probably the f- maybe the second time I'd ever been maybe the third time I'd have been in an office with him like because other times I was just talking about back pain and this and that there's no right you know whereas this time I was just completely but he was just unbelievable like and then that got me kind of back on the straight and narrow then kind of and then I got I got went to therapy and that and different things and helped but oh do you mind me asking what was the next step after that? Um, I went to, I, I, there's another, she's an old, a primary school teacher that like would have, she has a lot of life coaching, Sister Helen, and I would have spoke to her different times about anxiety and that, and she would have helped me at times. And I just text her and she says, she just came straight back with, this is such an a person, they'll meet you in Letter Kenny. They don't take on, but she'll take on take you on and I went to her then and let her can I was going to her kind of uh, once a week for every Wednesday a Wednesday evening kind of for maybe 10 10 or 12 weeks I'd say and she it was unreal her like give she just the one we tool that she gave me was just where do you feel the anxiety like and where is it near kind of it could be in your chest it's kind of high in your chest or whatever and she make you sit with it and like we'd be in the office her office and she make it? you hold it hold it and Say, 
what's it at now? Give it a number and you're giving it eight. Like, right, weightless at zero. And, and there was, I remember one of the first times we sat there for maybe 20 minutes. With your hand on your chest. Hand on your chest, waiting until it went, she's just, not till it gets to two or one until it gets absolute, absolute zero. Like, and because I used to find if it hit me bad, I would just, I might just stop and lie on the couch and just be like, I'm not doing anything, I can't do anything. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't be sitting with it, you would just be sitting, being anxious that kind of way. Yeah. And it would just be growing on you then. Whereas that there, that wee tool there just helped me massively, like. Yeah, before a show, I would get it, I would get it high up in my chest, you know, with the, with the pure pressure of a show mm. or the, the anxiety or the adrenaline of a show. But then your kind of daily anxiety that I would go through would be really low in my belly. Mm. of a pain in my belly yeah. from, from the day-to-day kind of yeah. anxiety. It's amazing how you can pinpoint it and... You know where it is. Yeah, like I would always be kind of here in the centre of my chest, like, but, um, and then it gets higher if it's really bad, like, it'll be all across you, but it's, it's weird how it takes over, how it takes you over physically, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's not. Yeah, it's very physical. Yeah. Like, I used to get it, like, when I used to do, I used to give fitness classes, like, spinning and circuits, and I would have the class done out to the minute, but I would still be sitting there before a class, down in the house, going oh jeez I'm useless I'm useless I can't do this why, why are they coming into me I'm just a fraud like what are they and then I would stand at the bottom of the stairs here and I'd be like oh you have to go in here like and it'd be like a minute to the start of the class but I would just have to go and then the minute you get in you do the class and everyone would be like jeez that was great and you go that was grand wasn't it and but every, like I would <laughs> I could do that six times a week like where I would have torture yourself. torture myself. Yeah, it had to be like every class and every exercise you're putting in had to be, and you're going. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You put too much pressure on yourself. Like, and like I would have myself so stressed out about it, and like people would come up, and sure, even if it was a shake class, they were still going to have a sweat worked up, and it would still be, still would get something out of it. But I would have myself. Did you ever get to the bottom of, of why you put so much pressure on yourself? No, because even the I went <laughs> I went to another therapist as well, and he was saying talking to me about um, what do you do like for work or whatever. And I was like, well, I work as a wedding coordinator, like, and then I do this wedding band as well. And he's like, right, and who does the bookings for the wedding band, and who does the talking to the brides and that? And I was like, oh, that's me. I do all that end of it, like. And he's like, right, and you you have all this anxiety. <laughs> And you have really you you stress yourself out with all these details, and yet you've picked two jobs that are like there's so much that has to go right, and it's so let you have such a window like of things have to be done, and and he just was like, why are you why are you doing this to yourself, literally, mm-hmm. instead of just getting yourself a job that's less stress or whatever. And when you were leaving that job then, did you have responsibilities like a mortgage and loans and... Yeah. So like you had all that playing in your mind, how am I going to pay that or what's well, he, what's he I actually, think? I actually kind of got the other job, basically. Right. Before so I left. You, I was kind of... Yeah, but I, okay. I think it was maybe six, six and a half thousand a year cut plus other expenses like I would have got, but... And no pension and all, but... I didn't care like that. Yeah, it's not always about that. It's not, a, not, no. And even when I left that job to do stay at home, like it was, it's not, I always think back, I met, actually met this teacher there about six months ago 
uh, he used to always say to us, one of our tech drawn teachers, he always goes, job satisfaction, boys. He'd always say, it's not about how much money you can make. Like, you know, we'd be all in the leaving circle going, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this money. And he was like, it's not all about money, like it's job satisfaction. He used to always say that. And it's not until you're old enough to realize yeah. that you're kind of, it is that. There's absolutely no point in making 100 grand a year if you're miserable in the job or you have no life outside of the job. I was speaking to a business owner recently who has a, a number of staff and I was saying to him, do you find it hard to keep the staff or like what's staff retention like? And he said that, no, he said he doesn't have any problem keeping the staff, but he said that he spends all his time making sure they're happy and the happier they are, the less hassle he gets for pay rises and bonuses mm-hmm. and this, that and the other. Now, he said if one lad wants a Tuesday off and he wants to come in and work the Sunday instead, he lets him. That's it. You know, and he gives yeah. him that little bit of flexibility and he said that he focuses all his time. Now, they're well paid, like, don't mm. get me wrong, but he said he focuses all his time on making sure they're happy. Mm-hmm. Right. I, thanks. Sorry, that was very heavy there. It wasn't, not at all, because an awful lot of people are, are going through the same thing and an awful lot of people can relate to it. And I really admire your honesty and the way you were able to open up about it, because that's going to help so many people. And I think people are very quick to look at social media and say, look at your man there and isn't he doing great and everything's mighty, but they don't see the, the, they don't think about the things that they don't see on social media. That's it. Like, and people aren't going to automatically come on if they're having a shit day and go, oh, I'm having a shit day. Yeah. It's great, you know. And like, you do have down days as well, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. Everyone has them. And then next thing I get an DM from somebody going, oh, you're you donkey like you I know. know yeah lately they're getting more and more um, and also I, w- I just want to commend Aoife before we move on just to say that you know she's a mighty bit of stuff mm-hmm. and fantastic uh, support and, and great that she recognised that and stuck around and was able to support you through that that's it like because like she's great at just going that doesn't matter at, or, you know or she doesn't let things bog her down no and she like she can see things she can control and not or not control or if something's annoying or she'll fix you know yeah so if you when you don't have that anxiety it's it's hard to recognize yeah. it or know what to and like that's even that now like she knows even if there's if it's going bad things are bad for me a day she'll know either to give me space or get tell me get out and do something or you right. know get out and have a walk or because it is hard I think for I think it was hard earlier on she just thought oh I must that she done something on me or what am I doing wrong or what's wrong with him like you know kind of at the start it was kind of we were knocking heads at times like we're you would be just going, ah, leave me alone, like kind of thing. Yeah. But because we've become really good friends and, and we talk every couple of days and, and we were on the Bumblebee together and we were on the island together and we've we've become really close and you kind of strike me as a man early on when, when we were getting to know each other, I would have thought of you as a fine looking, big, tall, strapping <laughs> man that has his shit together. He's in a band, he's confident, he has, <laughs> you know, and to, to hear that story then is an eye opener mm. because you, you kind of have a, an opinion in your head of somebody. You know, a lot of people think, you know, like that thing I done last week where I, I was shitting it, going to talk to people, like having to do interview bits and mm. they go, oh, you're in the band. And I, I go, I sit at the back on the drums like nobody. Yeah. I don't see the band. as I don't get nervous doing playing in the band anymore at, like at all. Like, you know, it's kind of, you have the easiest job there you in the band. And just, you, do, yeah, yeah. you just go and you sit and you play and you you shout the odd song or whatever. And, like, and it's, but you're not. 
Nobody ever says the drummer was shit. But nobody ever, well, <laughs> I'd say, I think they probably do when they see us. <laughs> no, but it's but like, uh, you don't have to, you're not out going, hey, yeah. do you know. You're not the front man. No, and it's it's a lot easier, definitely. And it's a lot easier even as a front man of a band where you have a band. Like, I'd say it's a lot harder if you are the... It, that's that's interesting because when I was doing the Galway races during the summer and myself and Sinead Cassidy, we had loads of meetings in the lead up to the Galway races and we had met up and done different videos in Shop Street and I had to walk down Shop Street with a horse and I was doing all these little things to give myself confidence to do, number one, to do the Galway races, to, be, to host the audience camp for the seven days and uh, the other thing was to host my own shows. So I was pushing myself all the time to the mm-hmm. limit. And when it came to the actual Galway races on the Monday morning, and I had been to the racetrack 20 times at this stage, we had it, not that we had it rehearsed, but we knew what everyone had to do. And on the Monday morning, I went into the office and Sinead Cassidy started laughing. And she just started laughing. And then she looked at me for a second and she goes, wow, I have never seen you like this. And like, I kind of thought I was putting 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 on a brave face. face. And I was like, Oh yeah, here we are now. And I had the suit on and I was there and she was like, Jesus, Alany, all right. Mm. I was <laughs> shitting it. I would like it's And everyone says to you, Sure, you're on social media, you're talking to people every day of the week. And I would have thought too, right, with the radio background too, you're probably But you're talking to yourself. Yeah. You're talking to yourself. You don't have you're not surrounded by a thousand people looking at you at this and then it's live and then Yeah. I think I think a lot of people think I when you're doing the videos too, like they think, Oh, sure you put that video up, sure grand and you're going I done that video in my house, in my kitchen. Yeah. Like, no one nobody looking me. at it. Like, yeah. Only the dog and you're kind of going. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's a, a different kettle of fish. Like it's, I, I don't know. I think even, I done bits before, like even this here now, I'll probably come out going, I'll, I'll like, I'll come back into my body when I get outside the door and I'll be like, what the hell did I say in there? <laughs> Do you know, it's kind of like, I found, I found that even on, I done a thing on, I went on Highland Radio as a guest or whatever one day and it was like, so somebody texts me after going, oh, that was great. And I was going, I have no idea what I said. Yeah. B&B Homes make your dream home a reality. We do it all from start to finish. Your one-stop shop to becoming a homeowner. Log on to brbhomes.ie. I, I completely, I can completely relate with that because... I, I have the exact same thing. I come off stage in I came off stage in Castlebar and people were coming up to you saying that was great. I, I had no recollection. I couldn't even tell you two words I said on the stage. Do but you know I, what I mean? That night in Castlebar was unbelievable. I just thought you just came out and it was just friggin' it was like a, a, a show you would see anywhere. Like it could be anywhere. Yeah. And well I was winging it. Like it was it was uh, oh. absolutely it was structured and planned and also thrown together at the same time. But it was, it was, I just thought it was top class. Like it was really, Jesus, it was. Do you know what settled me that evening? So it was 10 minutes before the show was starting at eight o'clock and it was 10 to eight. And I had my own little room up the back of the stage. And I, it, it wasn't that anyone handed it to me or said, this is your room, Alan. I found it. I said, this is my, I'm coming in here. Everyone leave me alone. Mm. I needed 10 minutes to myself. And then Stuart Miles was going wandering around looking for a place to change. And he wandered into my room and he goes, can I change in here? And I said, yeah, sound. And at the time I was like, could you not have fucking picked anywhere <laughs> else to change? Just leave me alone. But 
of all the people in my life, I wouldn't, I would take a bullet for Stuart Moyles. Yeah. He's an absolute gentleman and he's helped me so much over the years. So he came in anyway and he was getting changed and I was there pacing over and back and my heart was pounding. And I, I was never as nervous, never as anxious, never as every single emotion you could have. You have mm. 2,000 people out there waiting for you. You've never done anything like this before. You don't know how it's going to go. You don't know... What am I going to say? I know what I want to say. Am I going to be able to say it? Are they going to uh, take it up the way I want it to, to be taken up? And then you have all these different things going through your head. And he was there throwing on his shirt and he performs for a living. He's, he's done these gigs. He's, he's played in front of huge audiences. He's been on TV. He's done it all. And I said to him, I don't know how I, don't know how I can go out here, Stuart. I just don't know how I can do it. And I was, mm. I was like a nervous wreck. And it's at this stage where you've no choice. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, happening. It's happening. You mm. have to go and do it. And I said to him, I honestly do not know how I'm going to walk out on that stage. And he turned to me and he goes, and you know, you, you kind of expect somebody to sit you down and say, look, Alan, you've got this yeah. far and they're all <laughs> here for you and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, well, at least you don't have to open the fucking show. <laughs> <clears throat> he had to open the show. Yeah. And he had to sing the very first song. And plus, and that, they're all coming to see Alan Clark. And <laughs> Stuart Moyles just walk out. And no one knew he was going to be coming on. Yeah. He was a surprise. And just him saying that made me feel 10 times better. Yeah. And I thought, wow, it's but amazing. I, I think with that, with your show, it was like, I, I didn't say it on the night, but it was kind of remind me of when I was going to do my wedding speech. I was absolutely breaking it before it. And a friend of mine just came up and goes, everybody in this room is waiting, wanting you to do well. There's nobody in here waiting for you to go, ah, you're, you know, and that's exactly what that room was like, that 2,000 people. They, you could have come out and with no show. And, <laughs> you know, everybody was in that room was like, Jesus, I hope this goes great for them. Like, yeah. and it was, you know. The energy was unbelievable. It was, it was, and it was, the show was class though, like what you put on. And, and nobody knew what they were going, you know, like I'd never been to a live podcast, so I didn't know what to, I had only been to one And you were kind of going So it was something completely yeah. You know New for I'd say 90% of the people Like And it was I remember walking out And I looked up The very back right corner There was like a There was like an emergency light So it was dark You can't see the first You can see the first Two or three rows And then that's it You can't see anything And then up at the very back Right hand corner There was like this Little emergency light And it was shining on one person And I just remember Saying to myself That person is miles away that was probably me. I went up to take a picture. I was, like, right. <laughs> I was like, this place is fucking huge. It was. I said, that person is, and I had been in the theatre yeah. loads of times. But when you see this tiny, 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 tiny little head, I was just thinking, wow. And then the show went well. Yeah, we ran behind. We ran behind by an hour. But I think it was supposed to finish at 11 and we had an hour left at 11 and I went out at 11 and I said, we're running behind. Does anyone mind? And the whole place went, no. But I don't think it felt... That's the one thing everyone said. No one never f- didn't feel like feel like it was an hour longer or anything. Like it didn't. Yeah. I don't. So then I I challenged myself to sing a song, and I've always all my life I've wanted to sing a song, mm. and I spoke to Stuart about it, and there was a couple of songs I wanted to sing that just didn't suit me and were probably a bit too hard, and he goes to me, "Why don't you swing Sweet Caroline?" Like sure, most of the crowd will sing it. It's an easy song. It's a karaoke song. It doesn't really matter if you mess it up or whatever. So I said, yeah, grand, maybe. So I started practicing this week, Caroline, or whatever. And then I remember it was the last song of the night and 
you're you're up to high dough. You've no idea how the last five minutes had gone because you're constantly focusing on the next few minutes. Yeah. And you just think, well, I hope that went well. I hope that went well. And then me and Donald did a bit of a dance off and I made a bit of an idiot out of myself because I was out in the work pants, you know, <laughs> and you just don't know how people are going to, are people going to be watching this going, look at this daft bastard now, but. <laughs> no, I thought that was class. And then. Donald was hilarious too. <laughs> Donald, it was so funny. Donald goes, I look like a penguin. <laughs> um, and then at the very end, this is, this is the only thing I remember of the whole night. I'm there on stage trying to sing Sweet Caroline, everyone behind me, the whole place standing up, everyone singing, everyone cheering, hands up. And I look up on my left and there's three, there's three stories in the, in the TF Royal Theatre. And I look up here on my left on the top floor and there was a woman lit up again by some sort of light. I don't know how I could see her, but she was lit up and she had her arms folded and she was staring down at me. Yeah. And that's the only person I could see in the whole theatre. It's like the negative comment. You just read the one. Like, I think it holds 2010 people yeah. and I could only see the one woman and she had the arms folded like this. And she did not move or blink <laughs> or anything like that. And the same thing happened in Cork. We had a brilliant night in Cork and it was during a red weather warning and, you know, a load of people were, were trapped in their houses during this really bad storm. And we were going down to Cork thinking, will we cancel it or will we postpone it or what will we do? So we were at the mercy of the theatre and the theatre said, look, guys, there's no, um, there's no hazard in Cork City. They had a health and safety guy in. He said the level of the water is fine. The theatre is open and the theatre has to go ahead. Mm. So we had to go ahead, even though 20 or 30 people couldn't make it to the show. And um, during that night as well, we had a really good night. But there was one man in the (laughs) audience and he did not look up once. And all I could see all night long was his forehead because he was on his phone. And he was three or four rows back on the left. And he actually, we, I think we found a photo and I was showing it to somebody else recently. And you could just see, all you could see all night long was his forehead lit up. And you're here all night long and you're, you're worried about the running order and you're talking to the guests and you're thinking about what question I ask next. And did the audience like that part? And did they react to this part? And all I could see was his forehead <laughs> for two hours. See, it's funny, isn't it, how you just focus on that one wee and everyone rather thinks, than everything else around them. Yeah, everyone thinks you're up there and you're killing it or you're yeah. doing whatever, but there's something niggling away at you the whole time. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You do, you kind of, you do, I, I, we do that in the band as well. This night you'll see some one person just looking at you and they're not getting up and you're just like, by the end of this night, I don't have you up dancing. That's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. You, like, and the floor, like that, the floor could be full and you're just concentrating on that one person that's yeah. not. 99% of them having a great night. And then they'll probably come up to you in the jacks after going, geez, there's a great band. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just going, you're just a sour looking person. <laughs> so now you're, um, I, I hate to say it, and, you, and I think you get a little bit pissed off when people say you're a stay at home dad. Ah, well, I don't get, no, I don't get pissed off about it. Because you do work. You yeah. do work. Aye, but I, I don't mind. I am a stay-at-home dad as well. Like, that's, that is what I do yeah. during the week. Like, um, There's not too many of them. Ah, well, there's, I think there's more of them now than there was, definitely. I get a lot of messages now, thankfully, from people asking different things. And But it is, it's it's funny. Like, I, say, I was saying this to somebody last week about, I hate when people congratulate you. or say, Like, women come up and say, oh, well done you for staying at home. And you're going... Do you say that to, I, I called people out now, I go, do you, would you say it if I was a woman staying at home, like if I was a stay-at-home mother? They probably wouldn't, they'd probably be going, oh, fucking one staying at home, do you know? And why do you think they say that? I don't know, I think like that it's because it's not seen to be the done thing, but 
they wouldn't say it to a woman. They wouldn't congratulate or say it to a woman, fair play to you for staying at home with the kids. Like, Right. It wouldn't happen. But uh, do you think that there's no badness in it though, is there? Or is it just that... No, no, there's, like, for, like, they're saying it to me, like, well done, great stuff. But I just think it's funny that they would say it to a man about staying at home, whereas they wouldn't say it to a woman, like, well done, that we can nearly be sure. Yeah. Do you know? Would you not get an annie and go and get uh, a job? Or something like that. Or, you know, those just wouldn't even mention it. They would kind of be like, poor her, like sitting at home kind of thing. But okay. it's funny, like it's, even at the start too, remember so a, a woman saying to me, oh, you're babysitting. And I was like, no, they're my kids. I'm not babysitting. They're mine. Yeah. Do you know, just parenting. And it was a girl that was only, like, she wasn't that much older than me. And I thought, you know, older, like older ladies would have said it to you loads, like, Oh, you're babysitting the kids today. His mommy at work, and you're like, no. But it's funny. It's it's is changing definitely. Like it's it's becoming more normal, I suppose. But I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. It's 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 a tough job, man or woman. It's a tough job. It, it, like even both at home. Like it's it, it, Jesus. Like I after even when we had just had Gracie, like and just the one and. I still think of my mum and dad going, how, like, how the hell did they, like, man, because they always ran businesses, like, as well, and you're going, how the f- did they do it, like, and have... How many siblings do you have? Just just one brother, like, but right. they're kind of like, the, there's only three years between us, like, so we'd have been kind of the same yeah. kind of growing ages, like, and you're just like, there's always something, like... But then again, our our house is that was a kind of a funny kind of a house. It was always open door, like so. And I know my next question is like, what's it like being a stay at home dad with three girls? And it's a tr- it's a tricky one to answer because you don't know what it's like to be a stay at home dad. Yeah, dad with boys. But I mean, but I see it, it was only me and the brother, so it's kind of it was boys all, but just that's all I knew. Like yeah, and then a lot of people say, oh, you're you're a real girl dad, like, and you're like, but I. Oh, I have to be a care dad because that's what I am. But it's uh, like, listen, I went through. I, me- I was just thinking about this last day. We kind of, I remember in, the, in kind of mid twenties, I was like, I don't know. Do, I, do you even want to have kids? And do you want? You know, you kind of never seen it as a kind of a, or not even I never seen it. But I was just like, uh, he went through a phase of you know maybe I don't want kids and maybe just you know. Mm. And then when when we had Gracie, I just was like, oh shit what the hell's, what am I in, what are we doing, what's, like it was absolute fear basically, and then the minute, it just, it all just happened, and you're just, I don't know, was it some kind of an instinct, or what, fight or flight mode, yeah, yeah, but it was just, like, um, because when, when we had Gracie, Aoife ended up getting bloody sepsis, or whatever, about four days after she got home, and she ended up back in, so then I was left with the baby, for like five days of my own, kind of thing, when she was in, Mum was like, oh, I'll come down and help you. And Aoife's mum was like, I'll come and help you. And I was like, no, I don't want help. I have to do this. And then that kind of was the start of, I suppose, not the stay-at-home thing, but it was just like... It sounds terrifying to me. I was just like, no, I have to... Like, this is yeah. my, what I'm doing now, and I have to do it. Like, And it was kind of a good start that way. Like, it was kind of a baptism of fire of everything. Like, but Tell me, are the girls... Are daddy's girls or mammy's girls? No, they're definitely mammy's girls. They are they? Oh. Because you would assume you would assume that they couldn't be pulled off you because they're with you all That's, day long. I always say that to Aoife. I mean, when, what age were you when you used to sit up on your dad's? Because like Aoife, the, they're, she's daddy's girl. Like she is. 
guy would be like, what age were you when you started sitting up? And you say, oh, just always. And then I'm like, come on. <laughs> and what you're saying, Gracie won't sit in your oh, lap? Oh, she will, like, at times now. She'll sit and she'll, she loves to kind of sit up and we'll watch a movie or whatever. But, yeah, she'd be like, oh, I like mommy better. It's always the... And you're just going like, but it's just normal. Like it's because cry. I saw you. Um, you did a video, was it in McElhenney's, and you were getting Gracie to, to try on clothes. Oh yeah, and she said something like, "I want, I want Mammy." Or oh, I she didn't care. <laughs> I was like, because we picked two outfits, me and Aoife, and it was like a challenge to see. It was like kind of passion fashion thing, like who, okay. what, who, what outfit she would pick. And she picked my one, but it was like, it was not my, it couldn't be my one she picked. She was just like, no, it's Mammy's. I want Mammy's. I want Mammy's. And I was like, right. I'm ma- picking this outfit, but it's Mammy's outfit. Because Aoife was like, oh, that's Daddy. And I was like, don't. It's Daddy's. It's Mammy's. It's Mammy's. Don't anger the bees. Yeah, just, leave, just let it. But uh, yeah, oh, definitely Mammy's girls. But at the same time, then they'll come around at times to be when they want something or they want yeah. a biscuit at 10 o'clock at night or something. And it's it's tricky for people who listen to this now who don't know Gracie or Kate or Molly and they don't know what they look like and they're not following them. But Kate just strikes me as a, a little baby girl who is never in bad form. Oh, <laughs> that's... Like, she's a beautiful smile. She's, she's hilarious. Like, she's just... I never knew the stereotypical second child was a thing, but... It seems that everybody, like, when they see if she's doing something, up on something or into something, everyone goes, oh, that's the second child. And I'd be like, I'm a second child. And I was like, oh, well, maybe that makes sense too because <laughs> my brother would be a lot quieter. But, um, yeah, but then she can lose her life. But as I always say... What do you mean? Just start roaring for no reason. Okay. Like, she can, like... Right, right. But as I always say, you don't... Like, I'm not going to start whipping out the phone. Yeah, exactly. Here, exactly. let's get this tantrum on record. Yeah. Because... uh you're trying to calm it down. I hope I don't cross the line now with this next question and you can tell me to feck off if you want, <laughs> but did you ever hope for a boy or did you ever say I love a boy? Or No, I had no. Eva's dad is always like, oh, did you want a boy? And I was like, no, I don't. I actually don't care. He said to me last time when we found out we were having Molly, like, I was like, oh, Jesus, do you want? And I was like, no. He says, oh, you know, for the football. I says, I'm sure she could be playing the World Cup. For all we know. Yeah. And I says, if I had a boy, more than likely he'd turn out as good as football as me, as me and be freaking do nothing. No, I've no, like, I honestly didn't, didn't care once everything's well, especially after we had Gracie, there was kind of, it was, it was an emergency section and that, and it was a lot of drama. Drama. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. Just get the baby out and get everybody okay safe. You don't, yeah, that's interesting. I, you see, I'm just trying to get inside your mm-hmm. head. I don't, like, I'm 38 now with no kids and no partner and, and no sign of either. So it's interesting just to get inside It all your happen head. very fast, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, that's the only thing I'm just trying to understand, you know, what, what kind of thoughts go through your head and I'm not... No, I, it's... it's a Hope I didn't offend you. Not at all. No. It's it. It's always a question, I suppose, that, but you you don't... I don't think it's this kind of thing though in Irish society, isn't it? It's oh. like the the perfect family. The oh, like I get it all loads of times. Like another girl, oh Jesus, how the how's the football gonna keep going if the keep having girls? Because yeah. a while lot of girls happen to be born around the same times. This last when we had Kate and when we had Molly, a lot of girls coming into the town, like and they're like and there's women footballers and Donegal all that show up. Some of the men exactly, yeah. and you're kind of going like oh. But it's funny, like, it's just... Look at Cora Staunton down in Mayo. I think it's just old, it's that old 
old school thinking too. Like it's just people just think. Yeah, Donald Byrne was saying that to me as well about the houses. You know, people would come in and they'd be looking at this house and it's a dream house and it's a factory built house and oh my God, and it's the future and it's going to be warm and it's going to go up quick and it's it's going to be whatever price we say it's going to be. And then the granddad will come in and he'll go, well, if it's not blocks, we're not going with That's it. Like, you know, yeah. and, and then you're trying to explain to him, well, houses in America aren't built with blocks, you know, and this, is, I, this is the future. Yeah. Like, no, blocks are nothing. There's a lot, a few friends of mine that were building, and I was like, "You should look at that, Donald Warren's. Like, send the plans to him, get it checked, you know, mm. get a price." And they're like, "But what? What can I guarantee? guarantee as you get twenty five year guarantee with it, and yeah, what guarantee do you get with with blocks? blocks like, not you see a, what's happening, like, yeah, not you see what's happening. Don't but I, I, that's what I, even I said that's to Donald. It was like, I, there's a still a very big grab with block in Donegal. Even after all the yeah. make a crap, like yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you think about it, like the steel alone is going to last. And I'm not, I'm not on trying to sell the houses for Donald. I know he does sponsor them, but I'm just getting back into that whole the old Irish mentality. Mm. And you're saying that this steel and Donald uses a higher grade of steel. It's going to last for thousands of years. Mm. It's <laughs> like, funny, like it's just a, what can compete with that? What like can you compete get no, with that? You get no guarantee with yeah timber and concrete. Anything built like it's, yeah yeah. It's incredible at the old the old school mentality. So I'd say I'd say you do get a little bit of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's strange, but I suppose we're we're built different. Don't go. How is the band going? Good, busy, very busy. You're doing weddings the whole time. Weddings, fully, pretty much all weddings now. We done a few venues, but very little. We don't. Where Where did the name Red Alert come from? It's funny you should say that about because you're talking about the red warning down in Cork. Um, we were here one day and we were changed we we had we were called turbulent eddie and that was kind of we were doing original music under that as well and then we're like oh we need to change the name for the cover band and we couldn't think of a name and then we we're going down to play in cork in reardon's and there was a red storm warning across the whole country and especially in cork yeah. and we were getting into a van to travel six hours to Cork to play a bloody gig to come home that night. And then we just says, right, red alert, because it's a red storm. And that was where it came from. Brilliant. And uh, yeah. And then every time there's been a red red alert storm warning, we've used that as a marketing tool. Yeah. <laughs> and do you enjoy that? Oh, I, I love it. Yeah. Is that your release? Yeah, 100%. I think it's, it's when you get in there, because you're kind of you can't concentrate on anything else. And if you do concentrate on something else or if something else is going on in your head, you'll, you're not going to be able to play that way. You're going to make silly mistakes on the drums or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's great for that thing of just, you have to be focused. You have to be there present in it rather than thinking about. I know an awful lot of people in bands and, you know, they look great from outside looking in, but they, they can be challenging. Oh, are ye, um, do you gel well together? Oh yeah, we like because a lot, a lot of pe- a lot of musicians are individuals play, no, we're, playing we're, in a band, whereas yeah. you should be a group of people playing in a band. I think we like we started in two thousand three of us, so twenty twenty three twenty four years ago. Um, is it a three piece band? Well, it's four piece now, like, but it yeah. was three. The three of us started in kind of two thousand until maybe we'd done about eight or ten years, I'd say, and then. We went to four piece, um, and then the three of us now were cousins as well. And then the other lads, pretty much, 
yeah. part of the family as well. That kind yeah, of that, that's, so it's, you know, it sounds good. Like it sounds like three of us are cousins, so we can all get along. But also, it could it could easily go the other way because oh, your cousins. You but might, it does go the other way. Like it, yeah. it, it can do. Like and you can be like, yeah. you know, we can have. That's the good thing about it is we can have these fucking f each other out of it, and then it's forgotten about. It's forgot. It's like yeah, it's grand. Oh, well, that's good. Do you know? It's there's never. And I think that what you're saying about oh, such an, you know, you have individuals that just rock you in. You do see that in bands, like where there's one person that wants to be the whole band, yeah. wants to be the person, like, whereas none of us are like craving the limelight. No, we don't. We're all happy to do our bit. It's just a and, job, get and in and get it done. Not even that it's just a job, but it's just like you go in and if you have an ego there going, oh, I'm the man just puts a bad taste on stage and you're not having the crack whereas we go and have the crack and everyone else feeds off that good and they see that you're having the crack yeah and it just it, it, it it's what it's all i think the too many but because i've done filling in for other bands where there's like five different people on the stage every night that you go out you know there's never the same band and there's lads like that to come in get the paycheck out the door and then you're just like, you, you might get nights where you have two or three lads that you'll know and you go, oh, bit of crack. Hmm. And they'll have the, they're big, you may as well have the crack is get paid and get paid for it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas some of them just, give me the money, get out. Yeah, it's all about the money. Are you enjoying social media? I mean, having 40 something thousand followers is huge. Uh, well, it's big enough, I suppose. I don't, I, <laughs> I still think of it as only me mommy and me few friends looking at it like yeah um it's it's good i i love it like i love putting together the videos putting together bits and pieces like that you know just trying to do different wee things that i think are funny and i just hope that other people find them funny like in a way and then my favorite video of yours is you talking to daniel o'donnell (laughs) (laughs) that one there was like a one take wonder how did that come about like how did you do you know daniel i well I do know. I know him now. But you didn't know him but to walk up to and say, how are you, Daniel? I'm me. I didn't really know him. At that stage, I, I did actually know him. That, that stage, I kind of did know him. Um, did he know you? He, Daniel, if he meets you once, he knows you. Right. It's amazing. He's unbelievable. And he came in to heart. I, I've heard a story. Sorry to cut across you. I've heard a story that he'll go into um, uh, a supermarket in his in his hometown and he could be in there three hours. Oh, like just talking to people and, and like doesn't really want to leave. Uh, maybe he does want to leave, but he has so much time for everyone. He's like literally the most, the most generous person with his time of anybody. Like he's, he came in like, right. My first proper, like I would have met him at times, obviously during the years, over the years, like when I was younger, but my first time properly kind of having a conversation was, was at a wedding in Harvey's Point. And he came in, and I got a phone call from Noel Cunningham, was the general manager at the time, and he rang. And he says, go out the back door, Daniel's coming. Just let him in the back door, he's going in to talk to that bride. And I was like, Daniel, Daniel who? Like, yeah. I thought it was like there's somebody in working. I, Daniel O'Donnell. I was like, all right. So I went out the back, and <laughs> sure enough, Daniel swung in in the car, and how's it going, what's the crack? And he landed in, and he's like, oh, I'll just go in. And I said, do you want a mic or anything to sing? Oh, no, I'll just go in to say hello. And he went in to this wedding that was 250, 260 people over to the bride to chat to her. And the place went mental. It was unreal. And the girl, the bride had 
she had been going to Daniel concerts all her life. Her mum used to, her mum and her two aunties used to take her to Daniel when she was growing up. And then when she got to her kind of teenage years, she was still going to them. But she would tell her dad, if any of the girls ring, tell them I'm not, I'm tell them away somewhere else. Don't tell them away to Daniel. She would say this here. But then when she got to kind of 16, 17, she was like, oh, I'm going to Daniel with me, mum and aunties. Yeah. And she kind of, and he came in and started speaking to her. Next thing then, I get a mic got the mic sang my Donegal sang Destination Donegal something else and the place went bananas and he stayed he was going on his way to play a gig in the Allingham and he stayed and took selfies and chatted and because I met him at the top of Crowpatrick I was doing the social media for uh, the climb with Charlie and he was the MC and other celebrities like there was, I'm not going to name them now, but there was loads of celebrities and they're all busy people, but they were all flying in and flying out. And one particular celebrity literally flew in in a helicopter and flew out again. And uh, Now climbed to the Crowpatrick, but flew in and out mm. to the bottom of it. But Daniel was there the whole time and no panic on him. No. And do you know what? He, he, that's the first time where I went, this man is an absolute genius on the microphone because we were at the top of Crowpatrick. I don't know how many people were there, hundreds of people there. You're with Charlie Bird, who has a, a really serious condition. He had everyone in fits of laughter. Mm. Two minutes later, he had everyone crying. And two minutes later, he had everyone in fits of laughter yeah. again. Oh. And there was somebody there at the time. Um, I can't remember who it was. Who was it now? But we were at the side of the church at the top of Crowpatrick. If anyone doesn't know, there's a little church at the top of Crowpatrick. And he was slagging someone about coming up, putting in a bathroom. And he said, uh, so obviously some bathroom fitter or it was probably some someone high profile anyway. And I can't think who it was now. But I remember him picking up the mic, slagging this man about coming up to fit a, fit a job. Yeah. Do you know, at the top of Grove Patrick and he had everyone laughing. But And then even when we got to the bottom, just time for everyone yeah. and just never met it about him. No, that's you it. You know, whereas He's other celebrities would kind of come in and make it about them. And like he, even there, I went to the, the Clonmany shows there and he was opening it and I was giving them a hand Noel was doing a bit of work with them and I was giving them a hand doing video for them just on that day and I thought oh he's coming to open it it'll be 10 minutes and he'd be off the stage he came he opened it he'd done 50 minutes of a show like of he'd do a song yeah. he would the band were there but they didn't know what he was calling he was going give me do something we'll do this one and see do this one and he would just take it away and he'd done these jokes like full on proper stand up comedy like it was great then he came off the stage and they said he said oh, I'll meet anyone that wants to meet you know say hello come on I'll be here Yeah. and he stood and we went and I came back and it was an hour and 20 minutes I think and he was still finishing off photos like I'd say so and he was there to open it, like as a kind of a, yeah, as a just gesture. a kind of yeah, it wasn't like a, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a paid gig or nothing. It was like he's just coming to, because that time then when I done that video with him, it was in. They were doing a music video for, um, these these guys React Productions. They do, they do a lot of just kind of promotional videos and different work, but they'd make like short, short movies, short films, and that as well. But they wanted to make a, kind of a music video, but say thriller-esque where it had a bit of you know you could do that longer form okay. of, a, of for a music video so they were doing it with Daniel and it was about a night with the Daniels and all these wax Daniels in the museum come to life and all this and they and Daniel comes of course then to save the day right 
So they were looking for extras. So I was like, yeah. And like the amount of people that sent it to me was like, I got sent it loads. And this was before I'd ever done that video with them. Like, but yeah. So I went down to do the extra. And we were down. The first thing, we were all sitting, right? He's at the boys were all uh, queue up here, or gather up here, like as a crowd, as if somebody's speaking for the opening of this. And Daniel then landed with Magella. And he's kind of looking at who was there. And he's like, oh, yes, Miel. And you're just going, Jesus Christ. He remembers you. And he's just like, I don't know. And then he comes over and he's like, how oh, he's getting all the videos are going well for you. And you're going like, what? Wow. What is life? Like, it's mental. <laughs> yeah. And then I just said to him then that evening, I were chatting about his cars then because like I'd be big into cars like you. And then we were chatting about he's a Tesla and we were chatting about that. And he's like, oh, sure. We'll get a spin on it later on. And then I said, we might do a video. And aye, aye. And then the next night, that was the night system. I'm thinking of doing this here. Right, what am I doing again? And I was like, oh, just, you just say, I wonder is he about or whatever. Yeah. And then one take and he done that and it went. So for people who haven't seen it, you're in a bar and Daniel O'Donnell's at the bar and you come up over his shoulder and you say, oh yeah, have you, Dan, have you, Daniel O'Donnell's supposed to be about said, tonight. Uh, he's supposed to be about tonight. And, and like, then he goes, is he? Hi. I wouldn't mind getting a picture with him. Yeah. And then like he done all that off the cuff. Like I was, and then I didn't even know what to say because I was like, ah, this is too this is better than what I had in my head. And then you say, I same as that, same, same as that. <laughs> and that stuck with me the whole time. And I do say that on a regular same basis. As that. I always go, same as that, same as that. But he um And yeah. you just walk off. Cause like he started TikTok then after that, on the back of that, because it it took it off. It kind of took off and then he went on TikTok and then because the day he was he joined TikTok, he was on with Tommy and Mern on Ireland AM. Right. And they played they played that video. Did they? And everyone was like saying it to me, going, I was like, Jesus, it's We'll have to find the audio and we'll we'll stick it in funny. here. So this is the audio of Donegal Daddy and Daniel O'Donnell. Hey, somebody's after saying Daniel O'Donnell's coming in the night. Joke, can I say? You can't even see him, will you? I was sure, man. I wouldn't mind a picture of him. Same as that. Same as that. Same as that. Right. Let me know. All right. It's amazing. I just keep saying same as that, same, same as, as that. Because I didn't know what to say. I got so confused then because he was like, because <laughs> he actually was like better than what I'd imagined. I and then like, you've oh. done it another time with him. Then, yeah, that was Christmas Eve last year. And we were just going down to get a few bits down in the Super Valley or whatever. And he, Daniel, sings Christmas carols every Christmas Eve and done low. Yeah. And we just happened to be going in and he was, they were finished, the Christmas carols, and he was just walking out. And I was like, oh, how are you getting on? And he was like, geez, that video went mad, didn't it? And I said, like, and he goes, you know, we should do another one. And I was standing there like... I'd, he asked you to do it. I was standing there holding Gracie, yeah. And he's like, we should do another one, you know, kind of about that we never found that, never got that photo or something. And I was like, aye, aye. And he kind of was like looking at me going, he means now. Like, or right. I thought he meant like just we'll do yeah. one again. I thought he was leaving. No, uh, where we do it? We do it over here, and we and I was like, "This is class, <laughs> unreal." And he, we done it another one, just again one take. Is that all right, Grand? And that's become your thing now, hasn't uh, it? It kind of, kind of came. That's yeah. your thing, where you walk up to people who are the people, and you're looking for yeah. looking for them. So kind of, yeah. We tried. Well, we done a few of them, like, but we're trying to figure out how to. I don't know with Ray Hunt now and yeah, Mickey Joe. Funny. Do you get um, negative comments, or do you find? social media hard at times like your your page is very safe like i can't imagine you getting much shit or <laughs> yeah but or it looks safe but there's so many perfect parents that can tell you what you're doing wrong that's why you don't need to know what you're doing wrong because really? they will tell you 
if like what like you shouldn't have your jacket on when they're in their car seat yes i know like if they have jackets on and they're in the car seat and they see that or if the child has their jacket on yeah. in the car seat why what's wrong with that it's like if you know big winter jackets they kind of tell you to take them off when you're putting them into the car seat but sometimes it's just like we need to get to school yeah and give me a break yeah yeah doing yeah the, as, I, as you say doing the best I can with the tools I have mm-hmm. and yeah oh it's like no matter what if you give them grapes they'll tell you like you haven't cut them in half yeah or even that some will say that you shouldn't even give them to them even if they are cut in half but 90% of it 99% of it is 100% it's great the grapes thing is serious though isn't it it is like if you give kids full grapes like yeah I, I did see one um nutritionist or I don't know was it a nutritionist or parent expert anyway and they were like you shouldn't give a child grapes until they can buy them themselves <laughs> really <laughs> that was what they were saying like which is kind of I thought uh, sure, four or five's grand, but no, seems to be. Wow, but yeah, so you get the you it, get the experts. Like, in fairness, that doesn't happen too often. Like it's grand. It's ni- like ninety nine percent, as I say, is great, and people being nice. Have you found people more negative lately? Um, I like I had a real bad one with a trend that was going, and then. But it wasn't my followers, that kind of way. It was a, there was one where it was a trend was you go in and you say, oh, there's a fella, up the, dad up the town, he wants to beat me up. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, and he's a wee girl, would you come and help me? Yeah. And and you have to see the child's reaction. Yeah. So the child will either agree to come and beat up the other yeah. child or not. And like Gracie straight away was like, oh, you could tell she knew this is not... This isn't normal. This isn't dad. Like, Dad's not going fighting no, another dad up Dad's the never fought. <laughs> dad can't even win a fight against his against mommy, so he's not gonna go fight. And uh and uh, everybody on my on my feed was like this hilarious, very funny. Because at the very end you see me and Gracie going, I'm only joking and she's fine about like hundred percent. Never mention it again. It's grand. Yeah. It was literally that thirty seconds. And today FM wanted to share it, so they shared it. And their Facebook just went nuts. Did it? On what? That you were a bad dad teaching your oh, daughter? A terrible parent and terrible this and terrible that. And you're uh, just everything was slating. First of all, they were kind of slating today FM about sharing it. And then they were slating me. And then I just says, I'm not going to read the comments. Stop reading the comments. I was out the next day doing work. The next morning doing drone work or whatever. And I got a text, a phone call from me for going can you tell them to take that video down because I can't read this anymore and it started like I mean I went into it then they were slating me they were slating Aoife they were slating people that just personally like like it got well not saying but like these their pa- these parents need to be yeah and Aoife was just like I can't and I messaged the girl in Roshi I think her name was and she was like oh I'm and she was so apologetic then she was like we just thought it was hilarious and yeah it was you know you can tell that it's fake like Hmm. You can tell there's no harm in it, yeah, and you can tell that she's not. They go, yeah, come on, let's go box yeah, them. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, there was never. But out of that trend, it was probably the safest one they could ever find. Aye. Yeah. And then it was the like, like, because there are young young kids. There's videos in that trend, and they're four or five, and they're heading off up the town ready to kill someone. Yeah, and like it's <laughs> the no, obviously, but it's funny because a few of my followers, them, were going, I went in to read them comments and. 
I such a, my neighbours in there commenting and her and her sister, her and her daughter had a blazing row out <laughs> out the window of the front of the house and the, the guards had to be called and I was like, There you go, like But it's always the ones. But you're going like, not, like she said the guards had to be called to this person's house and her on comment and tell me I'm a terrible parent and you're yeah. going How, do you find it hard to deal with like was that a, was that a difficult time for that you that was horrible that was really horrible I contemplated not doing anything again On, like you actually that like I actually had a lot thank you for a lot of stuff because I should be thanking you all the time but like because I text you about it and you were just like they'll be on to the next video they'll be slating the next person 15 minutes you're not even on their radar and that's exactly it like they're they go to the next video and they're slating the next person and they don't it's it's crazy like that people are that bitter or I yeah. don't know have that much hate in them that they just scroll from one video to the next and leave yeah. if I see a video there that I don't like or something I'm going ah you scroll on I scroll on yeah I've never felt the need to go oh you're a terrible person I don't know why that hates and people are what's you know I don't see why you can't just scroll on yeah it's an issue with them like it's nothing yeah. you've done and it's nothing it's nothing it's nothing you can do it's obviously something within them but I do see online and I see it on my own page a lot lately people are getting a lot nastier mm. and a lot more negative and very quick to jump down your throat and you know social media isn't a nice place anymore and, and and I'm always the first to stick up for it and I'm mm. always the first to stick up for it and say you know, it has these positives like we can raise 10,000 euros in 24 hours and all these mm. fantastic things we've done. But the second you have any opinion or any view on anything that's left of centre, mm. oh my God, I'm not, I'm, I have a ticket for your show and I'm going selling it and I'd never come to see you again the, after you saying, like I did a thing the, the last night saying um, about the hospital being overcrowded and, and this woman jumped down my throat telling me to do my research. The research was... I was in the fucking corridor for four days with my mother. Yeah, That's, that's the research. I don't need you jumping down my throat yeah. telling me that the hospital isn't in a heap. Do you know what I mean? And they probably haven't been in the hospital themselves. And that's without, without speaking to a nurse or a doctor yeah. or a nurse. The nurse that moved us from the back door. So I, I tell this story quite a lot. I told it on Ireland AM. My mum was inside the back door for, for two, two nights and we moved from the back door halfway up the corridor. The nurse who did that told me that they're finished there that week they said they can't do it anymore yeah and they were moving into a different job and people are just you know people just jump down your throat so quickly mm. that's it until you until unless you're actually in there to see what's happening like it's yeah it's it's awful you know and i'm not making it about me like you know no but it, it's it, like it's it, that my poor mother didn't want to go in there i i forced her to go in i called the ambulance forced her to go in because you know you know mums mm. Like their arm could be falling off and they're like, ah, no, I'll just put a bandage on yeah, it. I'll be grand. Eh? I'll walk around the house for two or three days. And and she she was putting it off and putting it off and I forced her to go in. And then for the two or three days we're in there, you're convincing her to stay there mm. where she's ready to walk out the back door. And that's a that's a lot to deal with as a son that just wants the best for your for yeah. your mum. And you're already feeling so guilty that they're in there. You're, you're, fo it, you're forcing them to stay there. Uh in a corridor, basically. Yeah. And, it's just, it's and the poor thing, he didn't know where she was for the first mm -hmm. day or two. She, you know, she thought. Anyway, I, I don't want to go into details because she's not here to defend herself and I, and I don't want to be talking behind her back. But it was a, it was a very, very difficult time. And yeah. I never want to experience it again. And I don't want other people to experience it. No, it's... And, and it's awful in this day and age that that happens. It's, and it's when, until, like, I you know, and like Letter Kenny's having a similar 
problems with overcrowding as well at the minute. And I went in, Kate had a, a temperature and it just was staying. It was like way over 40. And then they said, take her to A&E. And we went to A&E and it was bananas. Hmm. And I met another girl from the town who's, she was, she might have been nine, close, she was eight months pregnant anyway. And she had been there from 12. I was there for four. And I left there at 10 o'clock that night. And she was still sitting there. Yeah. And her nearly due. And I was like, how is she not up in the ward at this stage? Like, yeah. she was still sitting in A&E. Yeah. It's awful. And the poor staff. The, and the, That's and, it. And I can't understand how the staff are always so amazing. It's unreal. They can't they just, do enough for no. you. And the pressure they're under. And if I was under a tenth of that pressure, I'd tell you to fuck off. Mm, it's mental. I'd be like, will you and get away from just, me? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, you know, isn't it a pity that you, you're constantly nervous of, of that, like throwing, you're putting Gracie into the car and you're putting the seatbelt on, you're going two minutes down the road to the school. And in the back of your mind, the whole time you're like, and then you're not your authentic self because you're afraid to put up content. Mm, That's it. And you're afraid to share content. Like I gave this example there last week as well. I was in Dublin at a thing and. Like people say, oh, you're always in your phone. You should get your phone down. You know, like, you know, people would say that to you. I remember one day going down to, to the beach and there's a couple there with their child and they had a big DSLR proper camera with them. And our phones were in our pockets, if they're even in, they might have been in the car. And we walked away out the beach and we walked back and that family were still there taking a full on photo shoot and, the, you know, spent. And, and like, if we took one photo, we might have took a photo, you know, and yeah. it would be like, that's all it is that one second I think people think because you're on social media that you're just automatically videoing everything 24-7 whereas you're taking snapshots yeah and putting it up you're not curating you're not making taking loads of takes or you're not you know yeah. it's not like the kids are freaking you're, oh hold on do that again like it's <laughs> yeah 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 it's literally that snapshot of that five seconds that ten seconds and the phone's down yeah whereas people think that oh you must be on it all the time and you're not it's it's not like that at all like you know that yourself you kind of on a positive note then have you found it very supportive great yeah like that's what i say like 99 percent of the people are amazing yeah they're so nice like people are lovely like and they'll they'll give you a comment maybe saying geez you're doing like, fair play to you this is you know well done on that or whatever simple things like it might be just like oh the girls are lovely well done good stuff or you have them matching dresses well done you got them out of the house yeah yeah <laughs> you know that kind of way they're all still alive yeah well done um whereas i wouldn't be on there if it was if it was yeah do you know if i was getting slated all the time i'd be off in a, in a heartbeat like it wouldn't but um no it's great like and it is and you meet lovely people like freaking so like you yeah, yeah. Do you know you've meet meet so many nice, like great. Like, you can um, make great connections and great, great friends. connections, great friends. Where when you're over thirty or over even twenty five, I'd say it's harder to make friends. Like it is. Yeah. Like I've Jesus, I don't think I've I've I made a five friends, six friends. That's it. Do you yeah. know you don't have. Whereas you find other people that have similar interests and similar things like that there, and it's kind of it's nice to have that support within the industry as well because there are kind of content creators who are just absolutely mad to have as many followers as possible and be as famous as possible and they don't care who they hurt or what they do or or, mm. or how they get it and then there are other people then who just want to use it as a bit of a hobby and are tipping yeah. along like somebody asked me the last day oh what do you what are you doing with it what do you plan to do with it and i was like yeah. i have as little a plan now as i did when i accidentally started growing a following like it's do you want to hear a good one I'm I'm always like I always try to defend it and there was this fella on TikTok I don't know if you've seen him 
um, and he said, uh, I'm a content creator and I have an agent now and I'm uh, tearing down the curtain on what it's like to be a content creator with an agent. And he has 8,000 followers on TikTok and 19,000 on Instagram. So he goes, there's this like, you know, people are wondering uh, how much you should charge if you're on social media and you know, people are undervaluing themselves and they don't know how much to charge. Well, I'm telling you now that you should be charging 500 euros for every 3,000 followers you have. <laughs> That's what he said, right? Five, 500 euros for every 3,000 followers you have. And that's for a grid post, right? <laughs> and then I just comment underneath going, um, don't know uh, what curtain you're taking down, but this post is as far out as a lighthouse. Yeah. And it's actually doing more damage to the industry yeah, than anything. People then are saying, oh, well, they're... Because then they're saying, right, Donegal Daddy has 43,000 followers, right, divided by uh, 3,000. So that's 14 multiplied by 500. So you should be getting seven grand <laughs> for every post. Jesus, I start calling on them, them seven grands. <laughs> seven grand for every post you're doing. And you might go and spend a whole day doing a video shoot for somebody. And if you got 700 euros, you would be doing awful well. You would be very... You'd be ecstatic. It'd be like winning the lotto. So you have this flute on TikTok telling people now that Donegal Daddy is getting seven grand for every post he puts up. And then you have people going, oh, sure, it's flying it. You're flying it, aren't you? It's like that there. You're a millionaire. I was laughing. I put it up my story because... I was in mum's Oris. She needed a jump start here one day, and I jump started her, and she headed away. And then next thing, she ran. Oh, bloody and done it! And Ardran broke down, so I went over to jump start her again. And they all high yeah. And then some. I met some boy, and then as we were leaving, she had a puncture in the car. And then I was like, right, and get the puncture fixed. And this boy goes, geez, you're doing good now, TikTok. You're fairly flying, and aren't you? You're going well. And I was like, I'm going well. I'm <laughs> jump-starting cars, and yeah, it's going unbelievable. <laughs> I'm just trying to uh, work out here how much I should be getting per post. 21,000. <laughs> call it in, call it in. 21,000. You need to go back at them invoices out. <laughs> I haven't made 21,000 in the last two years from my Instagram page. It, it's it, I seen another post about that about someone it was a uh, a girl saying the price of and I was like no there's no way in hell it was her she was going on the engagement and it was fifteen hundred fifteen hundred dollars if your engagement is kind of over three percent or something and I was going yeah. And my engagement was... But see, this is another thing that people don't realise. You can have a million followers and have no engagement. Yeah. And and that's that's true. And you can have 5,000 followers and your engagement be through the roof. Yeah. And the the micro-influencers are very, very valuable. The people Mm. with 10, 20, 30,000, 40,000 followers are really valuable. I met a girl that was like, she has, I don't know what, 250,000 at a wedding. And... My sister-in-law was like, oh, uh, you got a photo with her. Oh, you bet you're getting loads of follows. And I was like, three follows since I put up that. And I don't think they came from that photo. Like, Yeah. But it's funny. Like, it's like you said, it's... There is a perception out there that... That you matter, you're just a matter of... That's going to be... Yeah. Because she shared the photo on her page. And you're like, no, that's not... Yeah. It's funny. It's an interesting industry. And, and it's, growing, it's going from strength to strength. But there is a lot of... Um, <coughs> 
I suppose, uncertainty about it and, uh, and and assumptions about it. People put two and two together and assume everyone is yeah everyone is doing the same. Like I see Eric this week. You know, Eric was on Squid Game. Uh, Eric Roberts, he's a friend of ours, and he was on the Squid Game on Netflix and. He's doing really well. Like he, it has to be said, he's probably one of the most. He's definitely he's one of the top in Ireland. One of yeah, the most thriving yeah. content creators in Ireland. But he's worked hard. He's put up a video every day, and he's always stayed positive, and he's stayed out of trouble, and he's you know he's just a really nice fella. But then you see today, like he's just driven around from studio to studio to studio to studio today, yeah. and that's all cost money. And no one's paying him to go from ninety eight FM to Ireland AM to the six o'clock show to the. And you know, and, like and they all feed yourself. It's all like this exposure. It's like, oh yeah, exposure. It's gonna like exposure's not gonna put petrol in the tank. Like somebody rang me today actually about a gig, and they said, you know, it'd be really, it'd be really good exposure for you. And once upon a time, I took all the gigs mm. for exposure, but then I just said today, I can't, I can't cash that in. That was the big one with when we started the band. Like it was that was the one. I was like, oh, you come play with us, You'll, everyone will have you in playing, and you're like, yeah. Oh yeah, let's go and you jeez oh, used to run around doing everything to for Yeah. We're very we're very and I've said this on a few podcasts, we're very slow to value ourselves, mm. aren't we? But it's mm. funny last year we got a it was a <laughs> as me as, as I'm giving out about a fella here that has valued himself at 19 grand per, yeah. <laughs> per post, but go on. You do get still the odd time and this couple were like we want to give you the chance to play at our wedding. Wow, thanks a million. I was like, whoa. Unreal. We, we want a young, young band, up and coming band. And Kevin, the, our youngest cousin that's in the band, he sent it to a friend of his. And he's like, you're the oldest band I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks very much. But <laughs> yeah, so it was funny. Like, it was just the way they put it. Like, I was like, yeah, no, thankfully we're playing, but you're okay. Yeah. Um, before we finish up, have you any questions for me? Anything you want to ask me? How are you? How I'm you doing good. Going? Yeah. You're flat out and I... I'm flat out. Take a holiday. I know yeah. you're in Donegal for a holiday, but... Yeah, I know I will. I'll take a holiday in January. I will. What's what's next for Alan Clark? What's next? The show now on the 23rd of December. I'll get that out of the way and then I'll take a holiday. Yeah. More shows next year? Or... I'm going to scale change. them down. I want to scale them down next year. The The big, the big, big shows are a bit too much pressure for me and I... It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of moving. I do parts. everything myself. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. I do everything myself, and people say, you know, you need somebody, you need help. But it's very hard to find that person. Mm. It's very hard to find that person that, that gets it and can do it. And that's but that's with no disrespect to anyone. That's and I know that's the industry. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm like. It's like there are people who yeah will come in and say oh, I'll help you because they see the dollar signs, mm. but they're not doing it for the love of the show or the love. I just want. I just want everything to go really well, and and the last thing I think about is money. But I think you're like you're very like me. It's like you know exactly what you want it to be like, so it's very hard to get somebody else, and it's very hard to make somebody see what you want it to be. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's like for instance, there was uh, there was one theater that, like, uh, you know, uh, somebody said it to me. Um, I think it was David Cuddy that said to me he. He just, he came along to Cork and he just couldn't understand how the whole thing was ran by one person and the one person that was running it was on the stage. Yeah. And, um, and I find it, I find it quite easy because I come from a, a marketing background, an entertainment background, a DJ background. I haven't done much MCing, 
but I've ran shows and I've put shows yeah. together. So I find I find it all very easy. The hardest part I the hardest thing I find is the actual MC and, and being the front man and, and being the face of it. Yeah. But I went into a theatre once and we went in the meeting was on the Monday, the show was on the at the weekend or whatever. And I said to the sound guy, do you need a, a person backstage as a runner to make sure everyone is wearing the right mic at the right time and they're to communicate to you? And he goes, no, no, I don't. That's grand. I have all that sorted. And on the night at five to eight, he came up to me and he asked me, have you anyone that would do that job? And it's five to eight and you're in the zone and you're trying to think, right, this is what I'm going to say and this is how I'm going to run the first 20 minutes of the show. And really what you want to say is, I fucking asked you on Monday, do you need that person? And here you are at five to eight asking (laughs) me, do I have anyone available? And it just so happened that we did have somebody available, but he he was to do another job. So I took him out of that job and put him into this job. But that's somebody that, that's, that's his job. That's a, yeah. And he wasn't even able to do it. Yeah. And you're kind of, and know. you're, you're trying to say, how would you find somebody to run a show in the West of Ireland like that, that would run it for the love of it as much as you love it? Yeah. It's difficult to find those people. It is. And it's like, when it's something, a lot of people think they can do it. Yeah. And yeah. then that's it. That's kind of just yeah. getting someone that's going to be, yeah. You nearly need someone that has done that, even like, put on musicals or something to that effect that has knows that yeah what and needs to be where and certain times like. and even in that situation I have to stay nice mm. and I have to stay you know ah yeah we'll we'll find somebody and we'll get them and we'll put them in and, and, and really you're like hang on now a second this is your job you fucked up yeah and, and the problem is too you're not as like, well is like is if like if you weren't on social media it'd be grand you could <laughs> But if the minute you say one crossword, oh, he's a bollocks, and then it'll be on. Yeah. There'll be somebody. Oh, he fucking. He's awful difficult to work yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's nothing to do with the fact that they weren't. Yeah, he's a nightmare bad. to deal with. He was such a diva, shouting and roaring backstage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. There was another theatre where we were told at quarter to eleven. Um, a guy come up to me at quarter to eleven. Now we were dealing with this theatre for weeks, uh, in advance and organising everything and a quarter to eleven this this fella just walks out of nowhere and he goes uh, will you be finished at eleven and I look at my watch and I look at the running order and I say no no I said it'll be about quarter past no no you have to be finished by eleven and this is a quarter to eleven <laughs> and I said uh, why do we have to be finished by eleven uh, there's a fine if you go up past eleven and I said a fine mm-hmm. and he goes yeah there's an extra charge because all the staff have to go on to overtime and at quarter to 11. They told you that. You have 500 people out there and you're here worrying about the next segment of the show. And you're told you have 15 minutes to do half an Whoa. hour. <laughs> and no one sees that. So it's not easy. No. Jesus. Mayhall, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your hospitality here in Glenties. Thanks for having me. You brought me down to the, what's the name of that hotel? The Highlands. The Highlands Hotel. We had a beautiful meal. You wouldn't let me pay for it. No. We well, had you it. got me last time, so. What? You got me last time, so oh, I owe you. I probably owe you about 10 dinners at this stage. We had a Mrs. Doyle moment in the Highlands. No, 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 <laughs> no. Two of us rolling around the restaurant. Um, but I, I uh, appreciate your time and I appreciate your friendship because it's hard to find good friends these days. And you're one of my best friends. Thanks very much. And I appreciate and you. And I also appreciate Aoife for everything she has done and keeping you in this world. Because... <laughs> 
it certainly wouldn't be the same world without you. Thanks very much, buddy. Keep her lit. Cheers. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for a viewing of our show homes, a brochure, or for more information. Let BRB Homes take the stress out of your build. Check out brbhomes.ie.